Super Talk Mississippi media production. Four free recruiters on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade out. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Monday edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson, First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us this afternoon. Opening segment of the opening week, sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, our good buddies uh, here in Hattiesburg and in a local community near you. Dickie's cooks fresh, delicious food seven days a week. You can enjoy it drive through, take home, or in dining. But whatever you choose, just be sure you choose Dickie's Barbecue Pit. All right, Al Holder going to be joining us a little later in the show. Update us on uh, Brian Dozier in Major League Baseball. Kelly Sander later in the show as well. But we're going to start off the week with one of our favorite people, Jack Duggan, Sports Information Director at the University of Southern Mississippi. I want to warn everybody that we're having some phone weirdo sounds here uh, during uh, the opening of the week here, Jack. So if you hear the static, it'll hopefully go away. How are you? I'm doing well, and yourself? Well, good. Have you made any more important national football decisions since we last talked? Well, other than other than uh, the Big Ten and the Pac-12, no, I've I have not done. There's there were some little conferences too that I yeah. took care of, but uh, yeah, yeah, you know, since I'm since I'm the unofficial <laughs> czar of college football, <laughs> exactly right. All right, we want to ask you about spring, uh, not spring, but but fall camp, first scrimmage of the day. But I, I've got to ask you, first of all, Jack, what are these weird things I see on the football helmets? Well, that's, that's plain, plain and simple, Bob. It's, it's a... It, they're they're basically there for for to limit concussions. Uh, they're 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 soft uh, kind of pads that you know when when helmets hit, you know it'll it'll soften the blow. So we I think we saw those um, uh, kind of a new thing around the country about a year or two ago, and uh, mm-hmm. so uh, and 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 an effort to keep our you know student athletes as safe as we we possibly can. We um, you know, some things that we bought for our football players to kind of limit, you know, concussions. Okay. There's the noise we're talking about. We apologize for that. That's an AT&T issue, and uh, hopefully we're hoping that maybe it'll go away. All right, Jack, uh, through all the static, uh, update us on the scrimmage Saturday and, and what you saw. Well, well Bob, uh, you know, it was you know like every first scrimmage, defense a little bit ahead of the offense. Um, you know, did see some good things uh, from the offense, but uh, the defense was really, really good. I thought uh, on on Saturday. And uh, new faces. Uh, we saw that uh, the Gore kid, uh, the son of the Pro Football Future Hall of Famer, pretty good splash for his first uh, for his first scrimmage. Talk some about the, what you saw offensively from some of the kids. Well, you know, he did. He did have a nice. Uh, he did have a nice first outing. Uh, had had three or four really good runs uh, around fifteen, twenty yards. So that was really good um, to see that. Uh, also saw a big catch from uh, the graduate transfer Grayson Gunner. 
uh, from Arkansas, also Madison across the middle. Um, so that was nice as well. Um, I thought Jack had a pretty good day. I thought Tate had a, had a pretty good day. Um, uh, quarterback and the guys. Um, uh, who else? Uh, just off the top of my head, heck, heck, it's been a couple of days now. Right. But, you know, defensively, uh, you know, Zach Portlock, a really good day. Uh, we had three three different guys get uh, picks in the scrimmage. Kyle Hemby getting one. Um, uh, I can't remember the other two. I think Natron Brooks, a newcomer, got one, mm-hmm. and then there was another one as well. So right. uh, it was a it was a good day. I mean, I mean, you know, for a team that hasn't been able to scrimmage since since uh, I mean playing in the bowl game, you know, the no spring, no spring drills right. uh, because of the pandemic. And uh, so it was nice. It's really good. Good. Luke? Jack, thanks uh, Thanks for coming on and, and bearing with us through uh, static and stuff. I, I guess a name that I that popped out to me in the scrimmage, I thought he, he, had, he had left the program. But, man, Freddie Hartz was a kid who came in uh, two years ago, highly recruited, and uh, well, I don't think he was with us last fall, but but he's back on campus, and he made a, a splash during the scrimmage too. Yeah, he did. Uh, he he picked off a ball. That was the other interception. He picked up a ball uh, that was uh, kind of tipped at the line, and he he, he took it uh, probably about fifty yards uh, the other way before um, before getting tackled. He had to take a few plays off after that. He was a little winded, uh, but. Uh, uh, yeah, he, he's a guy who who has kind of moved around a little bit. He was a tight end for a little while, and and moved back to the defensive side. And and he's a guy that's got a chance, uh, you know, to to see some playing time. I, I guess the way that we've been the running back position, obviously um, with with Mosley transferring, but it's so deep this year. Don Ragsdale gets eight carries, but I mean, when we look at the the running back stable, because there is there's a lot of backs about there. D, D Baker got five carries. Are we going to be more committee oriented this year? You think in a Matt Kubik offense where you might not have a guy get twenty twenty five carries, but there could be three or four guys that get ten to twelve carries? Well, you know, I don't I, honestly. I don't know if I could I could answer that right now. I, you know, to be honest with you, I haven't been out to practice a whole lot, and that was really the first opportunity that I got to see them uh, sort of scrimmage and uh, so I, I would you know I, I, I look forward to seeing what you know what they they show you know in our next uh, scrimmage coming up this Saturday uh, but but I, I think I think you got to you know I think that's a chance I mean a chance to see that you know it might just be uh, first scrimmage giving different guys a chance to shine and seeing what they can do and giving them an opportunity you know because you know, when you haven't scrimmaged in in seven months, uh, you know, you know, and you've got you know, you do have a new offensive coordinator who's who's trying to to, to really still learn his 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 personnel uh, in in live game settings. Uh, you know, it's it, you're probably trying to see as many as you can. All right, Jack. Uh, I read this morning. Uh, maybe you can update us on this. Uh, as of today, forty players have opted out of college football. Has has that been an issue at all at Southern Miss? Any of the kids opted out uh, because of COVID nineteen? You're aware of? Well, I, I saw on Twitter today that uh, Jacquez Turner is opting out for us, and he's going to grad transfer. Uh, I saw that on Twitter today. Uh, so uh, that that's one at least uh, from here. 
Um, I don't know of any other ones, uh, to my knowledge, uh, at this juncture, but, um, you know, right. I mean, it's, it's a, it's an interesting time, man. No question. I know I've said that, I know I've said that probably seven or eight times, uh, you know, over the last four and a half months that I've been on with you guys, but I mean, what do you do? Right. It's just, it's just a, it's just a, it's a weird, wacky time. No question. Well, another development today was New Mexico State announced over the weekend they're not going to play football. That affected two Conference USA teams. They had games scheduled with UAB and UTEP. Also, Tennessee Tech, which we had scheduled, uh, their conference opts out. Uh, so that puts us back to eleven games. Uh, any word on on uh, maybe what the administration hopes to do in that regard? And you're right, buddy. This is just a weird time. Well, when you're when you're when you're less than a month out from your football season and you're still scrambling right. to find games, yeah, that's a little weird. It's not like we're talking about travel baseball. We're looking to fill up fill up a weekend. You know what I mean? Right. right. Uh, you know these games are decided. You know years out from from when uh, when they're played and. You know, you know. Fortunately, we were able to get Tennessee Tech, and then unfortunately, OVC decided that they were they were going to suspend operations for the fall. Uh, I think they gave some. I, get, I think they gave their schools uh, an opportunity to play. Uh, you know, four games in the fall, but your know, non-conference games. But uh, Tennessee Tech, Tennessee Tech opted not to do that, and so so we're we're left uh, trying to find another game. And, and I know our administration. Is trying to do that, so, um, so I, but I haven't heard any word. Really, on really difficult though, with with such a short time frame left now, almost impossible, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, it is, but you know, the crazy thing is how things seem to change every day. That that uh, with 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 more teams kind of bowing out or uh, you know looking for games, so you just you just don't know. You just I mean, I mean, I, I know, I know our, I know our, our administration is very creative, and uh, you know they're going to do, they're going to do the best they can, uh, you know, right. not only for our student athletes but also our fans. All right, Jack, you're not going to opt out now, right? You're going to be there. They told me I was not allowed to. You're not so allowed to opt out. I'm okay. not allowed to. All right, so but, I'm, I'm stuck. Y'all right. are stuck with me. There we go. Hey, we apologize for the AT and T interference, but we appreciate you being on our show as always, and we look forward to talk to you again real soon. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a great day. All right, Jack Bye Duggan, now. everybody, Sports Information Director, University of Southern Mississippi. Well, I think the bad weather may have gotten in the phone lines. We apologize for that. I had some rough weather in here last night. We'll be in touch with AT and T. You can be sure of that between now and tomorrow. We're going to try again here in a moment. Uh, Get you an update on Brian Dozier next on the Eagle Hour. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Our thanks to the old left-hander Jack Duggan for joining us uh, in the first segment of the show. Always enjoy our time with Jack. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net. Great selection of Southern Miss apparel. I'm sure they got some football stuff in 
You want to check them out Monday through Saturday on Hardy Street across from the campus, or you can go online to campusbookmart.net. All right. uh, Brian Dozier signed a contract uh, a few weeks ago with the uh, New York Mets, and uh, our resident baseball expert, Al Holder, has been watching a lot of those Mets games and kind of keeping me up to up to speed on how Brian is doing. I asked Al to come on the show today because the truth is, uh, Al, we love Brian Dozier. Uh, he's an icon around here, but he struggled, and uh, the news wasn't really good for him this weekend. To update us on Brian Dozier. Well, he was uh, designated for assignment yesterday. What that means is that he was taken off of the 40-man roster. That's the uh, 28 that are uh, on the roster uh, and uh, the 12 that are on the 60-man 60, 60 roster at the alternate training site. So he has uh, basically been, been, like, set aside. Uh, I'm, I'm really not too surprised. I, uh, Brian, uh, his, you know, his career batting average is uh, 244. But this year he had scored one run, had two hits, and his batting average is 133, one base on balls, and five strikeouts. And that is, uh, I think he was up... Uh, 16 plate appearances in 33 games. So he really wasn't used very much. And the the two other players, Keno and uh, I'm trying to remember the other guy's name, have been tearing it up uh, uh, offensively. So I think that Brian was kind of expendable. They brought up a pitcher that they're kind of proud of. So we'll see how that goes. I have no idea what's going to happen with him right now. He's uh, What's a real shame is that uh, he has 192 career home runs, which is eight short of 200, mm-hmm. and uh, he has been in the league uh, nine years. And I, I, I would like to see him get those 200. That'd be uh, quite an accomplishment. Right. Well, you watched him play, I know, because you were letting me know. What, what did you, as you observed it, what do you think was causing him to struggle so with the play? I, I, you know, he Brian uh, always kind of had, uh, he always just kind of wanted to get on base. You know, if you got a hit, fine. If you got base on balls, fine. You know, so he was always about getting on base. And so his on-base percentage uh, usually was up in the 300s. And so, uh, but he, I think that's what got him in trouble, is that uh, pitchers understood that they could bury a strike on him uh, and get, get him behind. And then once they got him behind, they, you know, these guys today, they got these nasty sliders. And when they got two strikes on Brian, I mean, you could just absolutely bet on it a thousand percent he was getting a nasty slider. And he had a tendency, rather than lay off of it, you know, let it be up. He'd swing at him low in the zone, and he just—I thought he lost some aggressiveness. Uh, if, if if I were his, you know, just, I'm just some guy in the stands. But if I were his uh, uh, coach, I would have uh, told him to ambush the first pitch mm-hmm. and not worry about trying to get a base on balls. And so, uh, I think he would have been better off doing that. So, uh, mm-hmm. he uh, he has a bit of an uppercut swing uh, anyway. You know, so he, when he does make contact, he he hits a lot of fly balls, and they they overshift for him over there in left field, and so they figured him out. Is what well, it is. And there's no mercy, is there, Al, at that level? Oh no, oh no, there is no mercy. So there yeah. there there was never a thought in a pitcher's mind. This guy's been a great player, and I hate to see him struggling. <laughs> no, no, none of that. <laughs> none and, of that. And the and the real problem is that he has nowhere to go to, you know, to get back in the swing of things. There's no minor league out there. So right. they could have dropped him off to AAA or AA somewhere and let him go back and, and play some baseball. But he, he came in cold. You know, he'd been sitting 
ever since that Padres fiasco. And uh, so he, he he didn't have a chance to get in the, the flow of the game and everything. It's hard to do that in a batting cage. Right. Luke, Al Holder. Al, there's, uh, there's actually an article out in SB Nation today talking about how he should be in the Twins Hall of Fame. I think now he's he's tied for the most walk-off home runs in Twins history. Where does he where does he rank, I guess, in the last decade, because he's played close to a decade? What, where does he rank among second basemen, and, and kind of where does he rank, you know, in, in the Minnesota Twins franchise? Obviously, that's where he spent most of his career. I, you know, it, it, you'd be hard pressed to go back and find a player that was more productive at second than Brian. Uh, you know, 2016, I mean, he just, he busted the baseball uh, and, uh, just had a great year. Uh, the, uh, two, and 2017 was right behind it. I think he had, what, 34 home runs that year. So yeah. I think the, the, uh, the, the, uh, I, I would say certainly in the last decade, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's on their, uh, number one team. And probably throughout history, I, I just can't think of anybody on the Twins roster that that jumps up at, uh, at second base and that would take his spot. But and he was real popular. He just they 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 really really loved Brian. I was sorry to see him let go up there because I thought that was a natural fit for him. But. You look at where he stands in, in Twins all time. This article goes on. He's tenth all time in home runs. In Twins franchise, twenty eighth in RBIs, twenty seventh in runs scored, twenty first. This is this is what's sneaky about him. Twenty first in stolen bases. He yeah. he had ninety eight stolen bases, uh, and yeah. I mean that that's pretty good for for uh, you know uh, a guy like him. And you speak of that sixteenth season uh, when he hit forty two home runs. It was he set the all time record for most home runs by a second baseman in the American League. He had eighteen stolen bases um, that year. So yeah, we 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 hate it and hope that. Uh, he gets uh, one more shot and um, somewhere else. Al, what's your uh, what's your kind of your reaction been uh, to to Major League Baseball? I'll be honest, I'm a Cubs fan and I haven't watched that much, and uh, I, I just it's it's hard for me to get into it right now. It just seems as as a huge scale down spring training, and I guess. I didn't realize the effect that other fans had on me watching baseball games as it, as it does now. I guess. Uh, yeah, I agree. I've been I've been watching uh, some, some Braves. Uh, I watch the Mets. Some of the Mets play. I watch sometimes. I like I like catch the Cubs. Uh, I mean, I like watching baseball, and I may not even watch the whole game. I'll just you know watch uh, a pitcher or you know watch a couple of innings or something. But it's uh, uh it's just not the same. There's no question about it. You don't the the noise in a ballpark is is uh. Is is to me is it a real big part of the of, and uh, I've been going to baseball games since uh, back in the fifties. Uh, for the I, I used to watch uh, the Cubs back in the fifties, because I lived in, in my my dad was a uh, an Episcopal minister and we lived right there north of Chicago. So I would take the train down and go watch the Cubs play. I think it was seventy five cents to get in, sitting in the sit in the uh, lucky in the bleachers out there. But it, it it's uh. uh you know, it, I, I, and but and I remember the White Sox in '59 when they went to the World Series. But it, it's uh, I've been following baseball a long time. I've coached baseball, you know, little league type stuff. And, but I, 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 uh, uh, I, it's not the same. You know, when you don't hear the guy screaming, you know, beer and, and, and peanuts and all that and all the noise and the crazy people, it, it's 
baseball is a real spectacle, and it's just not that way without fans. Has it been worth the effort, Al, or is there just going to be a huge asterisk by this season? Oh, they they had to do it. I mean, they, when you talk about professional sports, it's all about it's about the money and, and momentum. And if they had eliminated the season and then tried to come back next year, they would have lost a significant portion of their fandoms. Mm-hmm. It would have taken them probably two or three, four years to get back to where they were to get the people in attendance and stuff particularly in, in clubs that that don't do well. And so it, it's really, really hard uh, uh, to uh, to start all over again. That's why you see all these professional leagues playing, because they know that. They have to, even if the, if the viewership is down, they have no attendance, it doesn't matter. They're, they're still playing baseball, or they're playing football, or they're playing, uh, the NBA's playing basketball, although I don't watch the NBA. I love college basketball, but the NBA is boring to me. But I've been watching a lot of hockey. I, I love hockey, mm-hmm. and uh, hockey has uh, uh, you know been pretty exciting here lately. But has baseball been hurt by the politics? I did see a picture over the weekend uh, of the Cleveland Indians, and every member of the organization was standing uh, during the national anthem. I know that hasn't been the case from the start. Do you think that's hurt professional baseball? No question. Yeah. And uh, it's a you, you've heard it in all the sports shows about you know sports is not about politics. People people don't go watch a, a ball game or a, a, or any kind of sporting event to 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 listen to some political message. They're there to watch sports, and uh, it's uh, it grates on everybody. Right. And I, I just me personally, I don't get it. I, I don't mind if people have a uh, have an opinion. That's just fine. Just play. You know, you're there to play. No. All right. But I think that really does hurt. No question. Well, I, I watched a two-hour documentary this weekend about the 8th Air Force in World War II. How you could watch that and then kneel during the national anthem is beyond my ability to understand, Al Holder. Well, so many people don't know history. They no. have no idea. Uh, they, they just, you know, they're all caught up in their own little bubble and they, they just don't know what, what has gone on in the past and which got us to where we are and the people that have sacrificed to, to, to allow you and I to have this conversation today. They just don't understand it. And, That's uh, right, my friend. Yeah. All right. I hope you take care of yourself. I don't want to hear about you getting sick. I look forward to seeing you again uh, as soon as the virus will allow us, my buddy. You, you got it. Thanks, Bob. Al Holder, everybody. Friend of the show, friend of mine, great Southern Miss supporter. We'll be back. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Back on a Monday. Thank you for joining us on the Eagle Hour. Third segment brought to you every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill. Located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Home of the 895 Lunch. And we give it four thumbs up, if that's possible. 4th Street Bar and Grill, proud sponsor of the Eagle our Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. Kelly Sander joins us on the phone now. Um, Kelly, uh, Bob was telling us during the break, you know, a lot of stuff going on, obviously, over the weekend, college football. Uh, one of those stories, Big Ten players trying to force uh, Big Ten leadership 
uh, and to reversing a decision uh, to, to not play the 2020 season. Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields uh, kind of getting some of that momentum. We saw what Trevor Lawrence was able to do in the ACC. But, I mean, in, in the case of the Big Ten, and uh, you grew up, I know, as an uh, Iowa State guy, but right there with, with Big Ten country, um, is, is the Big Ten, I mean, it was it was almost like they boxed the their athletic directors and uh, their coaches out. It was just the, the presidents that decided just you know just to make their decision. Is that where a lot of this backlash is coming from? If you talk to you know medical professionals across the country, they're still shocked generally that any football conference is moving forward. And and we, we'll talk about that. I'm sure as time goes on. So any decision and, and look, the, the presidents of these universities. The athletic directors, they all know how much money is at stake by not playing. Um, and the fact that they made that decision when they did so that people could have some semblance of, okay, this is the way the semester is going to look, and it's, it's going to be without football. This is not something that you can just decide and then undecide, and, and then, you know, because the schools that you may already have scheduled to play may have gone and booked other games. It's just, it's just not that easy. Um, and I and I think rather than rather than conferences getting back on board with seasons, I still think there might be a couple more. Say, in retrospect, we're not going to play because again, if you, if you base it on science, most all of the doctors, including doctors affiliated with the schools and the NCAA, are saying it just would not be approved to play at all. Yeah, Kelly. A lot of a lot of debate over the weekend, and in fact, I read one article today that um, anonymous uh, guy says that uh, some of the doctors associated with the SEC really don't think they should play, but they're afraid to speak out because they think they would uh, lose their gig with the league. That makes sense to you? Uh, I can see why they certainly wouldn't want to have their name attached to anything. But but school presidents of some pretty big universities, Bob, have said that that they, they don't understand the reasoning as to why some of the conferences have not called the season already. Well, in fact, the ex-LSU president, who is now the president at the University of Oregon, and here's his quote, the SEC is not dealing with reality. Well, if, if they're going to all jump on the SEC, then I guess we need to be jumping on, you know, in all fairness, we need to be jumping on the Big 12. And right, the ACC and the ACC, and, correct. And right. Conference USA. And Conference, conference USA, USA, that's right, conference. yeah. Because as it stands right now, you know, that that's going forward. You know, uh, kind of jumping back and forth here for subjects, you guys were talking, when you were talking with Al about the um, Brian Dozier situation, and you were talking about the shifts, you know, that a lot of teams are, are employing now. You know that, um, and of course, I'm a Tiger fan, and you can insert your own joke here, but um, about, about 70% of the batters they face, Detroit is in some sort of shift. Potentially seventy percent now. So, as the, as baseball continues to become more scientific, I think you're going to see more and more teams, you know, working into those shifts. And and you know, my son works up there at uh, at uh, inner or outer edge, and that's that's what they do is all they they formulate all the science and get everything together as to why and how teams should be shifting, you know, based on the player based on the player. So I think you're going to be seeing more of that as time goes on. He made a good point, too, Kelly, in that uh, in a normal year, a, a player like Dozier, who might be struggling a bit, would just simply slide down to AAA, 
play there for weeks, you know, a few weeks until he got his swing back and then bring him right back up on the major league team, but there's nowhere to go. No, there isn't. And, of course, Brian at least has the advantage of having, you know, nine years in the league. You've got some of our younger guys from Southern Miss who have worked so hard to get to that level and now because of this pandemic may never, ever get to that level. Right. Uh, just because there isn't, there isn't a proving ground now. And, and look, it's it's you either you're either on that sixty man roster or you're just kind of sitting at home. Well, if you get the call sitting at home, it's going to take a while, you know, to mm-hmm. even get back into into playing shape. So it's just a terrible time. This is, there'd never be a good time for this to happen, but especially for some of the younger Southern Miss players who did so well at the collegiate level and were getting that opportunity to live their childhood dream aren't aren't going to be able to. What? Luke, is Conference USA going to plow forward no matter what? They got to let us know pretty quick if they're not. Um, Again, I've said from the beginning, it's got to be more than just uh, one team or even two teams that that allow it, you know, to to shut it down. I I did hear Ross Dellinger talking the other day about he he mentioned in past Sports Illustrated college football guy, and we've used some of his inside information. you know, to to report some of the things here on the Eagle Hour, he did he did make a, a passing comment that he thought that Conference USA was hanging by a thread, and I guess that comes from uh, you know the meetings that they had last week. I hadn't heard anything else today, uh, but I mean, every I saw systems go at Southern Miss right now. I mean, we did get a, a setback with the Tennessee Tech game canceled. Um, but but I do think that there's strength in numbers, and whether you want to call them the stubborn six, the smart six, whatever you want to call them, I think the fact that Conference USA has three Power Five conferences that are plowing ahead is is allows the conference leadership to not pull back. And again, if you look at where these conferences are making decisions, it seems as if there is far more political and government pressure on statewide levels impacting some of these decisions because when you look at a map ideologically you see to traditionally we're some of the more conservative states or where we're playing football in the fall right. yeah but here's but here's something that we're not seeing from conference usa all right so it's a blade devil's advocate here you would think because southern miss's first game is what september 2nd right guys we're, we're, we're pushing the la- yeah okay we're pushing the latter part of august here we still have not heard anything about stadium attendance you know what's going to be the maximum number um, you know what is what's the tailgating policy going to be? Although I have heard some fans say that if they're not allowed to tailgate, they will still assemble and call it a peaceful protest against the opponent. <laughs> uh, and then you know, what, yeah. so what's what's tailgating going to look like? What are concessions going to look like? And nobody has any forthcoming information about that, which, which well, leads you to believe they're not set in stone. Conference USA. I, I did hear this weekend, though. We can probably expect. This 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 week something and 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 some of it was I think with Governor Reeves announcing and if our listeners didn't hear this high school football will be uh, attendance will be limited to uh, two family members per player two family members per uh, band member so I I think some of it was on course for how is the governor going to make a decision I think because when we interviewed Jeremy McLean uh, about ten days ago. Uh, we thought that he was going to roll it out last week, and I think some of the you know the the announcements that came statewide were going to impact it. So you didn't want to put something out there and then the governor come out. So I think you can expect probably mid this week something from Southern Miss on on ticketing, 
uh, on uh, attendance and tailgating. And, and I think that's just where it is. You're looking back and forth with university administration, athletic department administration, and state government. And, and so you don't want to jump the gun and get ahead of your state leadership. Now, the Mississippi high schools, the public schools, actually officially start practice today. And of course, they've pushed their seasons you know, back to Labor Day or, or later. Uh, but there have been some 14 public schools in the state of Mississippi who have said, y'all can play, the rest of you can play, but we're not. Uh, generally, the schools are all north of Jackson. But, um, and, of course, the Jackson public schools have said no extracurricular activities this fall. So even though the MHSAA is going ahead with, with public school football, there have been schools who are opting out on their own, which is, uh, which is causing schools to scurry you know, for openings to, to try to plug those holes if they so choose to just let it serve as a bye week. Right. The Jackson schools announced that late Friday. Am I right? That none of, none of their schools will be playing. That's right. So it, so that, and of course, you got some uh, 5A schools, you got some 6A schools, and I think there might even be, you know, a 4A in, in the Jackson. So, I mean, that just, that throws, it, it just it, messes everything for up. Jones County totally Schools, Laurel, South Jones, and West Jones all lost three region games with that announcement. West Jones has rescheduled two of those. But you want to talk about you know, three three of your region games gone with that one announcement, and it affects schools like you said in six A as well. So <sighs> when it comes to you know when it comes to playoffs, you know, and and you got some teams with a you know who have only played seven games, other teams have played eleven. You know how are you going to? It's going gonna, it's gonna, to you know, mess the playoff situation up too. Uh, when it comes to the seeding and uh, you know, when it comes to the playoffs, you know, the, the teams with the better records get the better seed. Well, one team's only played five, and another team's played nine. You know, but that's for on down the road. It's a mess, Kelly Center. Indeed, it is. We'll be back. Southern Miss to the top. Fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by Toyota of Hattiesburg, located on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and online, toyotahattiesburg.com. Their website has all their inventory. You can secure financing. You can even value your trade-in. So when you think of getting a new vehicle, think of Toyota of Hattiesburg, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. A couple news and notes. Uh, we mentioned, uh, Jack Duggan mentioned it in the first segment. If you're, if you're late joining the party today, big news uh, for Southern Miss losing another football player, uh, defensive lineman Jacquez Turner. Redshirt junior, technically, he was going to be a redshirt senior this year. Three-time All-Conference USA selection. Uh, last year, 13 tackles for loss, five and a half sacks. He announced on Twitter today he is opting out of this year at Southern Miss, and he will be graduate transferring to another program. That's a big loss on the defensive lineman for the Nasty Bunch uh, for Southern Miss. Jacquez Turner not returning um, for 
the Golden Eagles. Um, also, we were talking about uh, baseball. Cody Carroll uh, designated to the Orioles alternate training site Friday. Struggled a little in, in reliever. That's a former Southern Miss baseball pitcher. And then, then back to football. I'll give you a couple stats uh, from the scrimmage um, this past Saturday. As always, seems like the defense a little ahead of uh, of the offense. Uh, Jack Abraham, eight of thirteen uh, for fifty eight yards. Uh, Tate Watley, six of twelve for twenty three yards. Uh, Jack Walker and Trey Lowe got in for a few snaps, but the, the running backs is where it kind of jumps out to you. Frank Gore led all, uh, Frank Gore Jr. led all rushers with six carries for 67 yards. D. Baker, five carries, 10 yards. Steven Anderson, six carries, 15 yards. And uh, Don Ragsdale, eight carries. That's the most of any running back for 15 yards. Uh, Grayson Gunner, the transfer Tight end from Arkansas, three catches for 32 yards. Tim Jones, two catches for 16 yards. So, guys, it does look like uh, I think it's good to have a stable of running backs. Ragsdale, Anderson, and Gore got the most touches, but D. Baker right there at, at five. Can't ever have too many guys in the backfield. No, and, and Bob, you were asking, you know, you were asking uh, Hacksaw, uh, Jack Duggan at the top of the show, you know, about do you, do you think <laughs> that. Oh, we've always called him Hacksaw. He's been he's been Hacksaw to a lot of people for for many years. But at any rate, you were asking if you think the running back thing is going to be a platoon type. I I just think that's the way the game is going. Football is so brutally tough, you know. And and the defense, everybody's bigger, faster, and stronger. I just including the running backs. But I just think that the defensive side of the ball has caught up with some. I just think that's the the future of the game of football. So that. Running backs don't take as one running back doesn't take as big a pounding, which would certainly cut down on you know the chances for injuries if you spread it out a little bit and give it to more than one or two or three guys. And I think from a recruiting standpoint that helps if you're going to get running backs. You know that if you're not the guy, as long as you're one of the guy, the guys, you know that you're going to get some some reps in there. I I just think that makes sense. So you're not just like saying the day of John Riggins is over. Yeah, and, and O.J. Simpson and those guys that carried right. it, you know, 50 times a game. Right, um, right. And, and if, Al, if Al, I was waiting when you were talking to Al Holder about Brian Dozier, I was just waiting for him to compare uh, compare Dozier to Harmon Killebrew or Tony Oliva. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Quillacy, you know, from the Minnesota Twins of the 19th. And I haven't heard those names in a long time. <laughs> I, I know. And I figured if anybody would have brought him up, it would have been the incomparable Al Holder. <laughs> and Al was talking, too, how he maybe watches an inning or two. Of course, because he falls asleep after that. Right. Well, let me tell you something about Al. He loves baseball so much, Kelly. Before they started playing, he would text me. He would text me at night. And he would be watching like a 1991 Atlanta Braves-Cincinnati uh, Reds baseball game and give me the score in the seventh inning. <laughs> I'll bet you could have looked it up, Al, and, and, uh, <laughs> and found out who won before the game ever started. You know? It's funny how you keep watching this thing and the results are exactly the same. It never changes, does it? No matter how hard you want it to, it just never changes. <laughs> and here's a statistic for you guys. The Cleveland Indians, and it's not like – Cleveland Indians are world beaters, right? They have beaten the Detroit Tigers 20 straight times. <laughs> 20 straight times. The major league record is the Yankees at one point had defeated uh. the Orioles 23 straight times. But Cleveland has beaten Detroit now 
20 straight times. That's unbelievable at the pro level. Kelly, have you ever uh, thought about getting some counseling for your sports uh, allegiances to uh, the Detroit Tigers and the Bengals? I I keep hoping that somebody will put me on the payroll to cheer against, you know, or cheer against their cheer for their opponents, you know, so that they're guaranteed to get to get a win. Because my goodness, I do. I do have a way for picking losers. Did you ever watch the TV show Monk, Kelly? Sure. Uh, You need to see the doctor that uh, Mr. Monk always would go talk to, you know, the psychiatrist that uh, tried to help Mr. Monk through all his odd behavior. Maybe he could help you. He was a little bit obsessive compulsive. <laughs> That's a great show, though. By the way, yeah. just That's a, a fabulous show. All hey, right, we should we should give a shout out to Bob's Washington football team. Bob, it is pretty That's special. It. Alex That's Smith it. back back at practice. That's a big deal. It is, and he's a great guy. I'm glad to see him back. But if you've seen the new Redskin uniforms, it's like Alabama lights. So I think we're just going to start calling them the uh, the Washington Tide. That shouldn't offend anybody. Hopefully. Oh, but he mentioned the A word, Luke. He said it. The A word? <sighs> oh, yes, Alabama. That's right. Washington Tide. FCC will call you. Roll Tide. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. God, I can't believe I just said that. Until yeah. then, Southern Miss. To the top. To the top. Into the future. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.